G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As you will be aware, the COVID-19 pandemic saw our national borders closed for an extended period. So significant were the consequences of that that there are predictions that the long-term impact of changing migration numbers will be difficult to recover. Well, Premier Social Researcher Mark McCrindle, the founder of McCrindle Research, is back with us to talk some migration issues. Mark, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you. Mark, it's not just the fruit-picking industry uh, with backpacker workers, uh, but lots of areas of our economy suffer when borders closed and uh, there's less numbers of people migrating here. Well, exactly right. And we really were geared up for migration as part of the growth strategy for Australia, not just population, but uh, it was the backbone of our um, education exports in terms of uh, particular university students from overseas, uh, tourism, travel, and of course the the skilled um, uh, visa holders were, were the number one category, and uh, and all of that has been impaired. and And of course, uh, there's a strong link between population growth and economic growth. And two thirds of our growth has been coming over the last decade or so from overseas migration. The other third from natural increase. And so suddenly to have closed borders for two years and bring all of that to a screeching halt, um, it did have some impact. We had an economy that was geared up for around 230,000 net increase through migration a year. And, uh, and, and clearly we've, we've lost most of that uh, for two years in a row. The interruption that happens with closing borders, uh, the lack of workers affecting business and especially, as I understand it, the food industry, restaurants and cafes, they've been hit very, very hard. But universities and higher education institutions, uh, there's a lot of effects in those migration numbers. That's right. After coal and iron ore, um, the, the next biggest earner for us is overseas students studying at our universities some at vocational colleges and some at schools as well. It's a massive sector, and uh, and clearly that was very much impacted. We we rely on agriculture, and yet we've had some of the harvesting uh, unable to, to have taken place because we have relied not just on um, working visa holders from, from the Pacific Islands and other places, but even um, uh, long-term tourists or backpackers and, of course, um, students as well. And we've seen cafes and restaurants have to not uh, not be able to meet every every shift just uh, because they hadn't got the staff required. So it certainly has had some widespread impact on our economy as a whole. Well, no doubt government policy will attempt to see a bounce back. But there are other issues too, like our reputation abroad. Uh, that also has taken a little bit of a hit as well. I don't know whether you've got any insight there. That's not a statistical thing, but how are, your, how are you feeling about uh, our reputation overseas and whether that will have any effect on the migration numbers? Well, it has had an effect because now we've got open borders. You know, we're open. 
Um, but not everywhere in the world is, is open, so that hasn't freely brought back the numbers. But also where we do have uh, students and workers able to come here from other countries, they've got other opportunities and options. And, uh, and it is a competitive market. It's not to think that just because we open our borders, everyone's going to rush to Australia when there's you know, other countries in Europe or North America that are really vying for talent as well. So we do have some challenges there. Early on in the pandemic, Australia was world beating up there with New Zealand with keeping the virus out and, and, and low issues. But as the lockdowns continued, there was a bit of uncertainty around uh, just the freedom of Australians and, uh, and certainly mandates and debates around that. And, and we did uh, maintain a lot of that policy setting a lot longer than the rest of the world. That did create a bit of uncertainty uh, in, in would-be uh, travellers to Australia. And so it's going to take a little bit of time just to build that confidence back that um, that we are open for business and that we are um, a free country and uh, and lockdowns are something of our past. So so in a competitive global environment, trying to attack uh, attract particularly uh, schools, uh, but also students and tourists as well, um, is really an ongoing challenge for us. Mark, when business uh, loses its wealth and takes on debt, uh, you get a couple of years' impact like that. No doubt there's going to be long-term impacts uh, from the closed borders, uh, not only on our population levels, but the more broadly across the whole economy. Yeah, well, that's right, uh, because it did leave some holes in the budget. I mean, obviously, the the stimulus response to to lockdowns, the, the various government payments to help those uh, when we had in April 2020, in the period of a month, a million Australians laid off their roles. I mean, it was uh, extreme times and a lot of money was, was spent, but now we've got this half trillion dollars, billion dollars was spent um, to get us through COVID and, and obviously the testing and, and PPE and other equipment. So it's been an expensive uh, journey for us. Uh, now, we didn't suffer the worst of the health outcomes, so that's uh, a major positive, but certainly the economic side of it, the budget is not in good shape. Um, and, uh, and, and I think just, just even getting back to, to how we knew things, where uh, there was a labour supply, where we, we, we had uh, the ability to fill those gaps in our, in our teams as they emerged, you know, we're, we're just in, in unusual times there. The unemployment rate, even though things are economically uncertain, it's, it's moved from 4%, now it's got a 3 in front of it, just highlighting that we pretty much have full employment seek. Uh, the Online Jobs Board has just said that they've posted the most number of jobs uh, in their 23-year history uh, on, their, on their Online Jobs Board. In other words, there are more jobs available than there are people to fill them, and that's a challenge for business. It's leading to rising costs, uh, obviously labour costs and, and just general costs in business. That's driving prices up. We're seeing inflation, and so a lot of challenges for businesses at the moment, some of which has flowed on from COVID and from, from just the uncertainties of closed borders, uh, some other related factors as well. Uh, lots of people will think it's not such a bad problem to have when you've got unemployment so low. It does highlight something, though, Mark, and as a social researcher, be interested in your thoughts here, our own low birth rate amongst Australian citizens, that's got a real impact. It sort of comes to the surface when you get your borders closed. Uh, any thoughts here about our low birth rate? Does it have to change? Well, that's right. It's the lowest 
ever recorded our fertility rate. Um, in fact, the last time it approached anywhere near where it currently is uh, was the late 1990s, and we saw the treasurer at the time, uh, Peter Costello, introduce a baby bonus uh, just to encourage that birth rate. And indeed, it did. We went from 1.7 births per woman up to 2.0, um, and uh, and so that's really replacement rates, you know, where the couple are creating two children um, out of that union to replace themselves. Well, we're a long way below that um, and edging closer to 1.5 now. So, so uh, you know, that means that we're not going to grow our population, let, let alone even replace it um, through natural increase. That's why some level of migration is useful now. We don't want migration so red hot that we're leading to price increases, property price, um, you're really meaning locals can't get a foothold and indeed, um, you know, infrastructure queues and traffic um, are not keeping up with the infrastructure. So we, we've got to make sure that we get the balance with that and, and some level of growth, sustainable population growth is, is helpful um, and, uh, and we're, we're not quite hitting that, but, uh, but nor do we want to get back to, to, to super fast growth because that leads to its own problems. Uh, that balancing act, all eyes will be on the government. A growing economy needs a steady rate of migrants. Uh, what do you think it will mean for the nation's needs, perhaps uh, short and long term? Because if there's a lack now, uh, is that it's always possible, I guess, to uh, overbalance and have too many. Uh, any thoughts here about uh, whether we'll meet our needs? Or, you know, it's going to take some level of clever government, isn't it? Well, it is, and getting that balance right is key. I mean, we are a desirable nation, so we do have that natural pull. But as I said, it is a bit more competitive and we can't just assume everyone's going to want to come here because we are a fair way from everywhere else as well. And uh, people really have to make a decision to migrate here. Uh, but I, I understand, you know, Australians thinking, well, hey, it's, it's good to have full employment and we don't want to just, um, you know, leave our own um, young people short of university places or the ability to buy a home or indeed the ability to get a job. Um, but uh, we have an aging population. And if we don't have any migration growth, um, suddenly we find that demand for housing drops and there's no one to buy those three or four bedroom homes um, as, uh, as you know, empty nesters are moving on. Find that we just can't fill the gaps that exist. We can't replace the staff that are retiring. Uh, we, we don't end up with the the vibrancy of growing domestic demand because we're actually shrinking. Um, and there are countries uh, like Japan and, and some in, in Western Europe that were, were facing, have faced that sort of, um, of, of slow growth. So we, we definitely need to get the balance right. Um, but if we do, it leads to economic benefits, uh, sustainability of, of uh, momentum, and it means we can plan for uh, the growth and, and, and therefore make the lifestyle um, not not get outpaced by the growth. And another dimension, as a social researcher, I know you're interested in, uh, when you've got changing migration numbers, uh, you've also got changing culture because people bring their culture to our Australian shores, uh, changing religious culture, uh, all sorts of things that do get changed and uh, balance looks different every time there's a census. Uh, this sort of thing affects the way all of Australia looks it does. Um, but, you know, our whole history of, of um, growth since settlement, um, since arrivals of, of Europeans has been you know, very diverse. And uh, uh, whether it originally was uh, uh, the Irish Catholics and, and Protestants, English, whether it be the waves of migration we've seen 
over a century since then, uh, we, we, we certainly have uh, into our national DNA cultural diversity. And we have been a very harmonious society. We've been enriched through a lot of that. I'm sure we love going out and, and seeing the culinary uh, riches that are available to us and that uh, you know, we get a decent coffee, which the Southern Europeans brought to Australia in the 1950s, or, or, or the, just the diversity of, of, of the different cultures and festivals that make Australia what it is. Uh, and that's been our history. There is a, a, an Australian way that does seem to include and connect and, and really have uh, arrivals uh, adopt the, the Australian way of life um, in a positive way. And as long as we can maintain that, um, so that we do have a commonality, we do have a shared value system and a shared aspiration for the future. That's migration at its best, and uh, and we've modelled that over over some decades. And if that can continue, it does mean that um, that the migration pattern can work. Well, there's been some change, uh, all sorts of upsets. COVID has made a difference, and one of those things is going to mean that by 2031. Australia is expected to be 1.1 to 1.4 million people smaller than the pre-COVID-19 estimate of 30 million people. So there are dramatic things there. Uh, That's more than a million people shorter than the original estimates. Has this sort of thing happened in our history before, Mark? No, in fact, it's been the opposite, Neil. Normally what happens every few years is that those forecasts of population have to be upgraded because we, we underdid it um, and the growth was ahead of the models. Uh, this time we're having to uh, to, to grade it down uh, because uh, everything changed and it wasn't predicted, of course, COVID and closed borders. Now, it still means we're going to add 3 million people uh, over the next decade. Um, so we're still growing, but, uh, but yeah, we'll end up a little bit short of what we had now, this does mean that uh, some of the infrastructure projects, some of the schools, uh, some of maybe those private developments or the shopping centres do get slowed down or, or, or do, get, um, do get pushed back. And, uh, and so it does have impact. Uh, on the plus side, we are rebalancing our population better. And that is that a lot of the growth over the last two years has been in the regional areas, not just the capital cities. And it's in the regions where there's been the most demand for the growth. That's where they've wanted population increase because with the population increase grows goes the, the development, the infrastructure and, and the, the local economic boom. And so the regions are happy to get the numbers as Australians have been moving from the capital cities and relocating to the lifestyle regions. Um, and that's been a helpful thing. Uh, but what we have ended up is some fairly quiet CBDs, less of those high-rise um, apartments filled, less students in the city, less workers there. And our CBDs have been pretty quiet, uh, sometimes even ghost towns, as a lot of people have worked from home. And that's, that's sad because our, our cities really are the, the, the jewel and the crown of our, of our fantastic states. And, um, and we do need the vibrancy there. So if we can bring back a little bit of that and get a bit of life back in the heart of our cities, I think that's going to help us all for the long term. We've been watching it all happen and wondering just how things might pan out. And wonderful insights as always. Mark McCrindle, social researcher. Let me point listeners to McCrindle Research, mccrindle.com.au. That's M-C-C-R-I-N-D-L-E.com.au. And you might be able to find all sorts of good and helpful information from uh, this great organisation. Mark McCrindle, thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. 
A delight as always. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.